Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I loved hearing Dad tell his stories. And when I needed it, which seemed to be often, he gave me the best advice. We were close then. This was a wonderful time. As I got older, life got hectic. The available days, hours, minutes, all seemed to vanish before me. I had limited time to spend with my father. Now don't get me wrong, it's not like what I had been busy with was frivolous. In fact, I was doing a great deal of work, a lot for him. But in the end, when I add it all up, I was left with so little time to spend with dad. I have been thinking about him lately. Why we haven't had a conversation in a while. Why we aren't as close as we used to be. And if I'm honest with myself, I know the answer. I have been too busy. Maybe the fix is obvious. When you truly want a relationship with someone, you have to spend time with them and listen. Father, I am ready to listen. Well, greetings to all of you. We are at the halfway mark of our summer series, Follow Me. And in this series, we are exploring the great invitation of Jesus to every single person in this world to become his followers. I want to welcome all those watching from our various regionals, the Crowfoot Theaters in Northwest Calgary, our regionals in Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. I also want to welcome our online audience as well. In this sermon series, we are presenting to you a roadmap of discipleship, some of the key experiences in the journey of a Christ follower. Today, we will focus on one of the prerequisites of following Jesus, which is listening to his voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The reason the sheep recognizes the shepherd's voice is because they know him and he knows them. There's a mutual knowledge of each other. The sheep is not just an anonymous part of a large flock, but the shepherd knows the sheep individually and intimately. So when the shepherd speaks, the sheep is in tune with his voice. Today, we are surrounded by a cacophony of voices, which increasingly makes it difficult for us to hear the shepherd's voice. That's why we have so many people who outwardly profess to be followers of Christ, but they are not in sync with Jesus' voice. Somehow they have lost their way in the journey of discipleship. So the question is, how do we follow Jesus closely so we don't get lost? In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro mentions about how farmers in the Midwest would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope on the back door of their house all the way out to the barn as a guide to ensure that they reach home safely. The blizzards were dangerous and life-threatening, 
And they came so quickly and unexpectedly. People would be so disoriented by their inability to see that they would be wandering in circles in their own backyards. And several would freeze to death, sometimes just a few feet away from their back door, not knowing they were inches away from safety. So without the help of the rope, it was impossible to find your way back home. Pete Skezero says, from a spiritual point of view, there is a white out because of the blizzard that is surrounding us. And these blizzards begin when we say yes to too many things in our life until our life becomes unmanageable. Our busy lives blur our spiritual eyes from seeing and following Jesus. As a result, we have Christians who live like the rest of the world, overcommitted, overscheduled, overworked, and overwhelmed. The demands of life, the hectic pace, and the hurry cause us to lose our focus on Jesus. We go off track in our discipleship path, and it becomes increasingly difficult to find your way back home. So is there a rope that we can hold on to that will help us from getting lost in the blizzard of activities? Is there a rope that will lead us home when we go astray? The good news is there is a rope that every Christ follower can hold on to that will ensure we do not get lost. The rope I'm referring to is the simple habit of sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his voice through his word. That alone can help us to stay in tune with the voice of our shepherd. I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we read our text for today from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, we are surrounded today by many voices. Help us to hear yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What we read just now is a familiar passage. The problem with familiar passages is we think we know it so well that we don't look for a fresh application. But I know God wants to speak to us today in a fresh new way. Bethany was a small village that was very close to Jerusalem. 
When Jesus went to Jerusalem, he frequently stopped at Bethany because his best friends lived there in this small village. Two sisters named Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. So our text opens with this verse, verse 38. As Jesus and his uh, disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha opened her home to Jesus. The word used there signifies welcoming or embracing someone. Martha was absolutely thrilled to have Jesus in her home. Both Martha and Mary were believers. They called Jesus as Lord, and they both loved him so much. Here are a couple of things you need to know. It was not just Jesus who came into the house, but also his 12 disciples, and possibly several others who followed them. There must have been a bandwagon of people always following Jesus and his disciples, and they went with them wherever they went. Secondly, I don't think Jesus gave any advance notice of his visit. So how would you like 25 people showing up at your door for dinner? Surprise! Hospitality is still one of the highest social values in the Middle East. It always has been. It was seen as an obligation to take care of complete strangers and make sure that you provide for their needs. And not only that, when the guest coming to your home is a rabbi, then the stakes were really high. You do everything you can to make sure they are well cared for. Martha took it upon herself to entertain her guests, to whip up a fancy meal and serve everyone. Martha was a wonderful hostess. You don't want to serve just beef jerky to Jesus when he comes to your house. So Martha prepared an elaborate meal. This was no ordinary occasion. The Son of God was coming to her house. It was a pretty big deal. Martha must have been a good cook. I tell you, cooking is one of those incredible spiritual gifts that can bless many people. Amen? I wish I had the gift of cooking, but I know I don't. The only one that cheers me when I cook is the smoke alarm. <laughs> Martha had to work hard in the kitchen from the scratch. There were no Pizza 73 to call in and place your order. No Costco where you can find pre-cooked food. She was trying hard to impress Jesus and make this a memorable evening for everyone. You know, it's unfortunate that Martha has received a bad rap in too many sermons on this passage. The truth is she had an incredible heart, the gift of hospitality, and she wanted to offer her best service for Jesus. Where would our world be without the Marthas? Where would our churches be without the Marthas? Marthas are very important people because they give of themselves sacrificially. They are task-oriented. They are go-getters. And their presence is indispensable in the life of the church. Now look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
Mary must have been Martha's younger sister. The word sitting at the Lord's feet doesn't just describe Mary's location in the room, but it's the posture of a disciple. Sitting at a person's feet is a technical expression that was used in ancient times to depict the relationship between a disciple and a rabbi. So Mary was doing something radical and out of the ordinary and completely unacceptable in her time. For no woman can be a disciple of a rabbi. But Mary sat at Jesus' feet confidently, knowing she too was a follower of Jesus. And Jesus, on his part, had no problems in having women as his disciples. Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, held on to every word he spoke. She gave him rapt attention. She adored him in worship. And all this happened while Martha was slaving in the kitchen. Husbands, you know this, when it's time to leave everything else and lend a helping hand to your wife in the kitchen. It's not because our wives explicitly told us to come and help them, but we pick this from gestures or signs. We get better at this with experience. <laughs> so imagine you're sitting in front of the television or reading something, and your wife is in the kitchen doing dishes or loading the dishwasher. How do you know your wife needs help? Firstly, your wife pops into the living room for absolutely no reason, doesn't say anything, and then she goes off to the kitchen. That's a sign for help. <laughs> if you didn't pick that hint, you know what's coming next. <laughs> you can hear the cupboard door slam bang. If you're a wise husband, you will know by now your wife needs help. But if you don't respond to the banging of cupboards, soon you will hear pots and pans start clattering. And if you still don't respond, a plate just crashes onto the floor. It's not on purpose, we will call it an accident. You can see that I know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Martha had tried all of those tactics on Mary, but they didn't work. Every time she took a peek, Mary was unmoved, still sitting calmly at Jesus' feet. Martha was fuming on the inside, on the other hand. Doesn't she understand all this work needs to be done? Doesn't she know that I need some help to, with this big meal? How can she be so insensitive and lazy? Martha was a realistic woman. She knew that if everyone were to sit at Jesus' feet, it would be an evening of fasting prayer. <laughs> you see how realistic Martha was in John chapter 11. We're going to go into this in detail next week. But when Jesus showed up late at Lazarus' funeral, he ordered them to roll the stone. Martha is plunged in grief, but even in that moment, she blurted, excuse me, Jesus, it's not a good idea to roll the stone. He's been dead for four days, and by now, he stinketh. <laughs> it's the KJV Bible, by the way. 
That's how realistic her mind worked, the way she had been wired. No wonder she could not relate with Mary. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The key word there is distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Her problem was not just that she had a lot of things to do or cooking this meal was a bad idea. Martha's problem was distraction. She allowed her busyness to take her eyes off Jesus. The truth is, life today requires multitasking because it's complicated and busy. As much as we want to simplify our lives, we still have to do the chores. Balancing work, family, recreation, your health, it is a juggling act. It'll be too simplistic to say, you just need to cut down on your schedule. What is more sensible is to include Jesus in all that is in your schedule. Now, the word distracted means to be physically pulled away or dragged away from something. That was Martha's predicament. She wanted so much to be with Jesus. She wanted to do what Mary was doing. Her heart was longing to hear Jesus speak to her. That was her initial intent. But instead, she succumbed to the pressure of hospitality of her desire to somehow impress Jesus. Jesus did not ask her to go into the kitchen. He did not place these heavy demands on her. See, the last time he took a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 people, he wasn't just depending on Martha to feed him and his crew. Martha got distracted, and she was clearly upset with her sister. There's a sibling rivalry going on here. Anybody familiar with that? We see it all the time in our home. When our six-year-old slapped his brother and we asked him why he did it, he said, I didn't slap him. I was just giving him a hi-fi on the face. <laughs> that sibling rivalry, it never stops. Martha didn't talk to Mary about her problem. But she went all the way to Jesus, hoping that he will come to her defense. You can see that in the tone of her voice, Martha was even upset with Jesus. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? How come you haven't spoken up for me? Deep inside, Martha had become resentful. She felt no one appreciated all her efforts. No one paid attention to all her hard work. The great devotional writer Oswald Chambers put it so well when he said, the greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service to him. Are we being more devoted to service than to Jesus? That's my constant struggle as a pastor. 
Martha had allowed her service for Jesus to become more important than Jesus himself. Now here's the interesting part. Everyone sitting in that room expected Jesus to say, Martha, you are so amazing. You've been so busy trying to put on this party for us. You've been so sacrificial in your service. Now, Mary, get off your rear end, go to the kitchen and help your sister. Because I want my followers to be busy preaching, healing, ministering, helping, serving, feeding. You can sit at my feet when you come to heaven, but now is the time for you to work. You will never hear Jesus saying that. It's just a reflection of our modern day mindset. That's why we feel guilty when we rest, because we are afraid of being unproductive. Jesus' response is actually striking. Verses 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, are indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The New Living Translation does a better job of translating this verse, so I'll read that for you. The Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. When Jesus called Martha's name twice, it was an expression of endearment. So he's not scolding her, but he's offering a very gentle response. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. You're breaking your head over things that have little value. You're stressing over tasks that don't matter much. But only one thing is necessary. One thing is worth being concerned about. What is the one thing that Jesus is referring to here? It's not evangelism. It's not investing your life in others. It's not giving your money. The one thing here is the posture of every disciple. Being at the feet of Jesus, it's the time that we spend with him. It's fostering a relationship with Jesus. That's what makes us disciples of Jesus in the first place. For a Christ follower, that time at Jesus' feet and hearing his word is a non-negotiable. It's not that evangelism, ministry, good works, giving, feeding the poor are unimportant. But these things are a byproduct. They have to flow from our walk with God. So here's the Christian principle. Our active life of service should flow from our inner walk with Jesus. If you try to do ministry in your own strength you will dry up pretty soon. Martha's problem is our problem today. 
Someone said, if the devil cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. When we have many things to do, often the one item that gets left out of our plate is our time with Jesus. I'm not exempted from this struggle. It's a temptation I have to wrestle with constantly. A common excuse we hear today is, I don't have time. Do you know that I don't have time is the most phony excuse? The truth is we do have time for things that matter to us. That's why the question is not whether you have time, but whether it is your priority. If sitting at Jesus' feet is your priority, then you will have time for it. When we fail to sit at his feet, we are no longer familiar with his voice. When we are not familiar with his voice, we cut that rope that can take us home, even in a blizzard. When we skip our quiet times regularly, Times in our lives when we face challenges, when we face trials, when we are faced with an important, crucial decision, we start relying on the wisdom of the world. Wayne Cordero, in his book, The Divine Mentor, points out, by the time you graduate from high school, statistics say you will have watched more than 16,000 hours of television. You will have spent 14,000 hours in an educational institution. And if you go to church two hours a week regularly, you will spend 2,000 hours getting spiritual help. So when it comes to that time in your life when you're faced with a crucial decision, you will have eight times as much of television and seven times as much of worldly education as you will have of church. That's why church attendance alone is not enough. You need to draw daily inspiration from Jesus. It has to happen on a day-to-day basis. The one thing that is an imperative is our time with the Master. Quiet, reverent, unhurried moments in the presence of Jesus. It is more important than everything else you can do for Jesus. Now, I want you to take out your phone for a moment. Just don't check your email or your Facebook page. Just take your phone and go to your calendar. And look at your calendar for this week. All of the tasks, all of the activities, things that need to be accomplished, You know, all of those things put together, more important than all of these things, is your time with Jesus. Do we believe that? If we believe that, then your time with Jesus has to be in this calendar for some of you. That's the only way it's going to work. See, Jesus doesn't give us a long list of things to do in order for us to be effective Christians. There's only one thing he requires of us. But this one thing will affect everything else. This one thing will permeate and saturate everything else that you do. 
when we miss our quiet times with him, we're no longer listening to his voice. And we become prone more and more to listening to the wisdom of this world and our own human wisdom. Isn't it a surprise that we make so many bad decisions in life? Psalm 138 verse 2 says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Our great God who created the universe demonstrates his power through creation. We see the handiwork of God in the mountains and oceans, in the sun, moon, and stars, and all of creation reflect his splendor. But they are only a general revelation. They may demonstrate the power of God, but they don't give us all of God's attributes. The general revelation has a limited purpose to point us to the special revelation of God. And God's special revelation is his word. For it is in the Bible that you will find out what kind of God he is. What are his attributes. It's in the Bible you will discover the truth about Jesus and the way to access him. God has exalted his word above all things. To say the word of God is crucial to our spiritual growth is an understatement. It is as important as food or water. It is indispensable for your survival as a Christian. If you can't go for days without food and water, what makes you think you can get away spiritually without days in God's word? I believe God communicates in whispers through his spirit. I believe God gets our attention through our life circumstances. I believe God may even convey a message through a prophecy. But he speaks so loud and clear with decisiveness, authority, and force only through this book. That's why the word has been exalted above all things. Now, I want to correct any misunderstandings here. Being like Mary doesn't mean that we only sit at the feet of Jesus and do nothing else. No. It's about doing the first things first. See, you have a better clarity of what you need to do when you sit at Jesus' feet. He has given you his agenda for your day. And then you go out and work. For that is the secret of Christian fruitfulness. Spending unrushed times with Jesus and his word releases a fountain of refreshment into the very core of our being. And that in turn produces boundless energy to accomplish great things that you can never accomplish in your own strength. Jesus has to be the first in your list. For if you put him somewhere down below, chances are you will never get to him by the end of the day. 
When I went to seminary in India to do a master's degree, I faced probably the deepest struggle of my spiritual life. For the first three years of my Christian life, I had regular times with God in prayer. I was passionate in my faith, eager to share Jesus with others, and growing in my discipleship. But now in seminary, preparing for ministry in an academic environment, the first thing to suffer was my prayer life and the simplicity of my faith. My soul was being eroded and I was being stifled on the inside. I was so busy writing papers, studying the Bible as a textbook, and reflecting on hundreds of pages of books that there was very little time for meaningful devotions with Jesus. We had a visiting professor from Switzerland, one of the godliest Christians I've ever met. And I talked to him about this struggle that I was undergoing in my life. And he gave me an advice that I will never forget. Ashwin, only one thing matters. It's not getting the top grades. It's not being the best student. It's not even ministry. It's your relationship with Jesus. Jesus can use you far more if you walk with him than if you have a hundred academic degrees. And I took that advice to heart. And that day onwards, I gave priority to my walk with Jesus more than anything else during seminary days. And I tell you, that made all the difference. Years later, I still reflect and cherish the memories of time spent with Jesus. Going on long walks alone with God. Hearing his voice speak to me so powerfully through his word. Interestingly, in all this, my academic work did not suffer. In turn, I graduated with honors, won two academic awards, and was the valedictorian of the class. And I learned the key to fruitfulness in the Christian life is not doing 100 different things. It's the one thing, maintaining a close walk with Jesus on a daily basis. It is the rope that keeps us from getting lost in the journey of discipleship. Let me close with this. It's a simple thought, but it struck me quite profoundly yesterday morning. In a world where you need to get an appointment to meet almost anybody, isn't it amazing that you don't need an appointment to meet with Jesus? You can do it any time of the day or night, and the God who rules this entire universe has time for you. Jesus will never say, come some other time, I'm too busy right now. When you go to him in prayer, he's already waiting for you. And how sad and ironic it is that Jesus has all the time for us, but we have little time for Jesus. 
the most incredible privilege that Jesus has given to his followers is sitting at his feet in worship and hearing him speak to us through his word. This is the one thing that is needed, one thing that is required of you. Mary discovered it. If we do this one thing well, we will bear fruit in all other areas. But if we fail in this one thing, then everything else that you do will be futile. I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we come to an end. You know, they say anything will become a habit if you do it consecutively for 21 days. I don't know how your walk with Jesus is, but I know there are some of you here you haven't established a daily quiet time with Jesus. You don't have that rhythm in your life. And I want to give an opportunity for you to make that commitment. There are those of us who have established that rhythm, but we find it very difficult to put it into practice on a daily basis. So here's a simple challenge for us to consider and pray about. This is a copy of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has 21 chapters. So if you take one chapter a day for the next 21 days, you will read through the Gospel of John and you will learn far more about what it means to follow Jesus than I can share with you. And not only that, you would have established a habit. The habit of sitting at Jesus' feet every single day and listening to his voice through his word. This book, if you need, this Gospel of John is available in our bookstore. You can place an order there. You can use your own Bible to read as well. But a simple exercise of faith for us to put into practice what we've heard today. I'm going to ask all of us to just close our eyes right now and maintain a moment of silence, even right now to listen to Jesus' voice. And after a brief moment of silence, I'll close us in prayer. some of you here, you want to make that commitment today to establish a daily quiet time with Jesus. If God has spoken to you about it, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you want to commit to reading the Gospel of John for the next 21 days, just 
raise your hand so I can pray with you. Father God, we thank you for the many hands that are raised right now. It's an evidence that you have spoken to us by your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the amazing privilege that we have in coming before your throne of grace, not in fear, not in guilt, but with confidence because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can come before you with joy and singing and worship and we can listen to your voice through your spirit speaking to us. We never want to take this for granted. I pray for every hand raised right now. God, you see the hunger in your people. You please come and seal our desires by your Spirit. For we cannot do this on our own. We need your strength. We need the moment of your Spirit in our heart. That as the deer pants for water, let our soul long for you, Lord. Let there be an intense hunger and longing in our heart for your Word. To spend time in your presence, to hear your voice, to do the one thing that will never be taken away from us. Now, even as we leave this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet, unfailing fellowship of the Holy Spirit may rest and abide with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.